And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Wizards After Dark. Uh, shockingly, unbelievably so, I'm recording this thing on Sunday night and in the craziest development possible, 10 days before the NBA draft, we are going to be talking about the NBA draft. Who would have thought that on this podcast where so much Wizards news has hit the public over the last eight months, that 10 days leading into the draft, after 900 consecutive draft-related and off-season-related podcasts, that we'd be talking about the draft. But this one, I am particularly excited about because we have my good buddy and, um, in my opinion the best draft analyst in the business, and my colleague, Sam Vecini, on the other end of the Skype line. Sam, thanks for uh, coming on, man. Fred, how's it going, man? I uh, I have I have a lot of takes right now. I don't know how many of them are basketball related, but I, I'm filled with filled with takes right now. <laughs> we're we're all filled with takes. I uh, it's been a take filled weekend, man. It's been a take filled week. I'm exhausted. I last night I. I slept for the first time since Monday night because I was just staying up all night watching MSNBC and CNN, like the entire time, knowing that we weren't going to know anything, just like staying up out of just pure addiction to, I don't even know what it is. I felt like I was just mainlining Steve Kornacki. Yeah. Kornacki was good. We had John King. We had, uh, the, the legends, Chris Cuomo, Phil Mattingly, and Harry Anton. Uh, cause in Australia, those guys were like the primetime guys. Uh, whereas like over for you guys, they were the overnight guys and just getting to watch those three be awake at 3 AM in the morning and have to like come up with new things to say as 4,000 votes trickled in at a time was pretty great because they were all just like all over the place and not like a mess, but like they were just, just beautifully uh, tired and delirious. I, I gotta tell you it's as, as a journalist who covers something that's significantly less important than what everyone over at those organizations is covering. It's legit inspiring to watch someone like Kornacki just get two minutes of sleep over four days when we've got like our equivalent of an election coming up with the draft and free agency following. Like if I had to guess, this is an informed guess. If I had to guess free agency is going to be on the 20th or the 21st, it'll start one of those two days. That's my guess. And like, we're, we're going to be getting, there's just going to be an avalanche of news between the draft and free agency. And watching that, I was like, you know what? I, this is this is inspiring as a journalist to watch these guys get and and women get no sleep and and really for the most part do an incredible job covering that election. Yeah, no, I think everyone did an amazing job just being willing to stay awake. I mean, I will say, like, I'm in the midst of 
writing a pretty big project that'll come out because uh, most people listen to this on Monday. It should come out next Monday. Uh, if you've noticed, I haven't written a ton recently. It's because of that. Uh, it's not because I've moved to Australia. Um, it's more that we're working through just like a lot of content and a lot of words for everyone to uh, be able to consume very soon. But man, like it's just wild seeing all those guys just stay awake. I mean, like, I think I saw that John King legit got like six hours of sleep in 72 hours. Like shout out, shout out John King. And by the way, John King had to work with like Dana Bash, who was, uh, I believe his ex-wife. So that's a, it's a fascinating little deal there. And I will say another thing real quick. The fact that CNN after Biden and Kamala Harris's speech did not go to wall to wall coverage of Rudy Giuliani holding a press conference at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Uh, I don't know if it was by mistake or if it was some sort of miscommunication. I need to know every detail about how that happened. I want to know every single possible thing that happened to get Rudy Giuliani to be standing in a parking lot of a landscaping company yelling about uh, all of the networks calling the election. That that entire storyline is outrageous. You know what else is outrageous? And how's how's this for a transfer? You know what else is outrageous? That every single mock draft that I go to, the Wizards are drafting on Yeka Okongwu. Like every single one that I look at, there's there's no variety of pick. And you know what that means? That means there's no way they're going to end up drafting him. Because if, if everyone has him going to the Wizards, then you just know that the basketball gods are going to have the Wizards taking somebody else. Either because they don't like Okongwu as much as everybody seems to think that they should like Okongwu, or because he's going to be gone by number nine. How, yeah, I will say my, I don't. How is my conspiracy on that? I don't think it's the former. Like, I, I do think that they like him. Uh, I do not think it's going to happen, though. Because I, I don't think he's going to get there. Now, in part, it's it's the Okongwu situation is very complicated because there are a lot of teams in the range from four to eight that don't really need a big, right? And, and number one as well does not really need a big. Like Minnesota should not take Nyeka Okongwu at number one. Uh, Chicago has Lowry Markin and Wendell Carter. They should not take... Onyeka Kongwu at number four. Cleveland has like three quarters of their cap space tied up in big men before they eventually try to re-sign Tristan Thompson this summer. They should not take Onyeka Kongwu. Atlanta essentially just used the number 16 pick to acquire Clint Capella at the trade deadline. They should, or 17 pick, I'm sorry. Uh, they should not, in my opinion, draft Onyeka Kongwu, although I wonder if they consider him. New York at number eight has Mitchell Robinson. I don't think you can play Mitchell Robinson and Nyeka Kongwu together. They should not draft him. Really, the only teams that are going to be in the mix here, I think, for a Kongwu are Golden State if they trade back, which I think is a possibility. Charlotte if James Wiseman is off the board, which, again, I think is a real possibility. And Detroit at number seven, <clears throat> who has Blake Griffin, but traded away Andre Drummond and... Okongwu fits a lot of what Troy Weaver 
has tended to like in the past with Oklahoma City prospects. He's a great kid, really hard worker, great athlete, uh, really good defensively. Doesn't really shoot it yet. Like he ticks a lot of boxes. Oh yeah, former Oklahoma City staff. Long, athletic, everything along those lines. Long, athletic, can't shoot is the ultimate mold there. So I I think he will be in the mix on Detroit's board somewhere. If I was Detroit, I would keep loading up on perimeter players. But, you know, we'll we'll see, right? So there is a real chance, in my opinion, that Washington could see a Kongwu fall there. But I think that those three landmines that I brought up are genuinely real landmines that could lead to something of a, you know, we'll, we'll just go back to the front, like a polling error uh, in terms of mock drafts, right? Because most mock drafts do not project trades. I will be stunned if the order before the Wizards from one through eight goes Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, Cleveland, Chicago, Atlanta, Detroit, New York. Or I think I flipped Cleveland and Chicago. Sorry. Um, I'll be pretty stunned if that's the case. So given that, I wouldn't be stunned if someone moves up the board to try and get in Yekka Kongwu. There are already rumors about Boston trying to do so, which I think makes sense. But, you know, Boston tends to be involved in rumors this time of year, at the end of the day. Uh, I think there's a really good opportunity for San Antonio to potentially try and move up the board uh, and acquire him. I think that Portland, uh, you know, you could probably play him at the four next to Yusuf Nurkic, although it wouldn't be their biggest need, but they do need someone who can play like that backline four uh, weak side rim protector in that drop coverage defense that they play where they pulled Nurkic away from the basket and have him drop. Um, Minnesota, like, could they move up from 17? Maybe, but again, I don't know that I love that the more I think about the fit with a Kongwu in town. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of possibilities on the board that I think make it more likely that Onyeka Kongwu is gone by number nine than he sticks around for Washington. But the possibility does exist based off of the current draft board. Like I, I have a Yekka Kongwu at four. If he falls to nine, like it's an, it's an enormous win for the wizards. So, so for what it's worth, I have, I, I we're recording this on Sunday night. I, I, I think we're actually going to run it on Tuesday morning. So either way, by the time this comes out, chances are I'm going to have a piece that's out already. I spoke to Andy Enfield, who's the coach at USC about a Kongwu and, and, and we really, he was great. He was so helpful for the piece. Uh, the premise was basically me just talking about kind of the, the, the nerdy basketball stuff on a Kongwu. What, mm-hmm. what is the stuff that he's going to be particularly good at? What's the stuff that he's going to struggle at? And what is the stuff that you saw him improve on the most from, from high school to his collegiate years? And one of the things that he talked about, about him really getting better, was was ball screen defense yep. and and how they used him as a switcher and not even yep. just as a switcher, but how you can use him in so many different kinds of coverages. And I think that's what I yep. like the most about him. And, and people just kind of put a blanket over that as defensive versatility and they just kind of leave it at that. But what would really... It's more than just defensive versatility because I think when people hear defensive versatility, they think 
well, he can guard a bunch of different positions, which which I think is is mostly true. USC used him to switch a lot, and he can guard a bunch of positions. But I, I think the way that he would be helpful for the Wizards and really for any NBA team defensively, and part of the reason why I like him defensively, which I talked about with, with Andy Enfield. And by the way, you can go to The Athletic DC and, and read that story. That'll be up at some, I don't know what time, but at, at some point on Monday. And if you're not a subscriber, you can go to Go to uh, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and sign up for a discounted rate. Uh, and that gives you a full subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and check out that piece. But one of the things that is is really interesting is kind of like, so USC would have him switch. But they would also have him hedge. And I, one of the things I talked about yeah. with, with Enfield is at the beginning of his time at, at college, he was slow on recovering to roll men. So what happens is he would he would hedge out away from the rim on a ball screen, on a pick and roll, and then he would be slow coming back to and recovering onto the roll man who would be who'd be diving to the hoop. And those guys would either end up getting layups out of those situations, or even if they didn't end up getting the ball directly, what would happen was if they went into a post-up, they would beat a Kongu down low. And all of a sudden, if they want to post up, now they've got two feet in the paint. And it's a lot easier to score. I, I, the most overrated part of posting up is what you do after you have the ball. In, in reality, so much of being effective at posting up is how deep can you get without the ball so you're super close to the rim when you catch it. If you catch the ball with two yep. feet in the paint as an NBA player with any amount of skill, that's different than a post up at 12 feet. And one of the things that he got really good at was being able to recover onto the roll guy. And, and that sort of stuff in NBA defense is very important. So that that now all of a sudden he's not only taking away that pass, but he's now preemptively denying post position. He's now able to switch so he can guard a wing who's running a pick and roll. And you can you you as a coach have all these different options now in being able to run your defensive coverages. And I think that kind of stuff is um, it's super nerdy, so it doesn't get approached as much, but. That's kind of why I like him as a defender and specifically for the Wizards who Lord knows they need defenders because even their young guys who you think might be able to get better don't necessarily project, you know, as Troy Brown doesn't project as like a one-on-one stopper, though I think he could be a good team defender. Rui Hachimura doesn't project as a defender. Bonga's really their only guy who you look at and you're like, that guy could be a plus defender in multiple ways. Um, I get why everybody has a Kongu going there. The fit... I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'll just kind of read my notes that I have on a Kongu. Read, read um, away. Sets the tone on defense where he's extremely versatile and can do almost anything that's asked of him. USC played a variety of different coverages this year, from zones to different ball screen coverages. Kongu ex- executed all of them and excelled. Out on the perimeter, he can hard hedge, hard hedge screens and recover play flat coverages, or straight up just switch on to all but the quickest guards. Does a good job of getting low in his stance, sliding and using his length. Not quite as quick twitch as the player he's compared to, Bam Adebayo, but should be a versatile defender at the five. We'll be able to play switch coverages across the board with him as long as you're ready to help if he gets matched up with a lightning quick guard. Because of that, you can make a real case that he'll be able to close games. Also good with drop coverages as he's good at using his strength and quickness to cut off angles toward the rim and leveraging and uh, using the principle of verticality to stop ball handlers in their tracks. So 
I'm basically right there with everything that uh, Enfield said. He is uh, one of the better ball screen defenders that I've evaluated, I would say. Uh, He is going to be the kind of player that I feel comfortable switching with and that I feel comfortable with also as the quarterback of a defense. I don't know how much you got into this with Enfield, but I talked to a couple of guys that played at USC this year, and the one thing that they said was that like, Onyeka was a leader as an 18 year old this year. And as a 19 year old, I think he turned 19 in December for them. But like from the time he got there, like he was the guy that would like organize them in practice. And like, if a practice had potential to kind of go off the rails, like he was the guy that would kind of refocus them a little bit. And he has a very professional, mature mindset about the way that he approaches things And he plays hard constantly. The motor just never quits. He crashes the glass. Like everything about him is just filled with maturity and the ability to make an immediate impact in the NBA. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like I said, I've got him at number four uh, on my board. I I think he is. um, I, I don't think he's going to be like, a superstar all-star player, but I think he is going to be an all-star in his role and the kind of guy that really helps you win games. Like there are not a crazy amount of guys in this draft that I feel good about putting into a winning situation from the jump and saying like, can you help us win games? Like, I don't think a coach will have a problem putting Isaac Okoro on the court. I don't think a coach will have a problem putting, you know, even Tyrese Halliburton is just like not very strong right now. Right. Like Denny Avdia knows where to be all the time. I don't think a coach will have a problem putting Denny on the court necessarily. Um, the same goes for a Kong I, I coaches will have zero issues getting him on the court immediately and saying, Hey, do your thing, provide the versatile defense that we need, protect the rim. Um, rebound the ball, play hard, play with force and really kind of be not only a enforcer inside, but also a finesse defender on the perimeter. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy.
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And you know what? He might not end up on the Wizards. So let's let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about somebody else. Let's let's assume one of those scenarios that you talked about happens where somebody trades up, Minnesota trades up, or Boston trades up, or San Antonio or somebody else, or just like Detroit drafts a Congo. Mm-hmm. Assuming that the guys who we mostly expect to be there are there, and a Congo is off the board. Who who would you have going going to Washington at number nine? So I, I like the idea of Isaac Okoro there. If he was to fall to number nine, I, I would be surprised if he fell to nine. I think like there's a very real case that all of Chicago, Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit should take him, I think. Um, but someone that I, I am an enormous fan of uh, and really, really like Obi Toppin. I love offensively. Um, I would very strongly consider him if he was on the board, but probably would prioritize a few other guys ahead of him. Tyrese Halliburton, you know, they, it depends on what they want to do. And like, you know, we can get into a broader discussion of what the direction of the wizards is right. Because like, I would not still have Bradley Beal on this roster if it was me, but uh, nonetheless, I think that they're going to continue with Bradley Beal going forward into the season. I would be stunned if they moved him. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton could play with both Beal and Wall in a really interesting way that uh, I don't think he's going to be an all-star, but again, I think he is a guy that once he gets stronger and more physical is going to be able to help you win games. Killian Hayes, if they want to get some insurance for John Wall, I think you could make some sense. Uh, I don't think Denny Avdia will be on the board. Devin Vassell is the last guy for me kind of in that, you know, in that tier outside of the top three guys. And I think I'm slightly lower on Vassell's offense than some people are. Um, I I guess I should note Patrick Williams as well in this tier, but let's go with Vassell first. Um, I'm slightly lower on the offense because... I don't think it's like as guaranteed that he's a 40% three point shooter as some people think Uh, the mechanics are a bit long and wonky and kind of all over the place shot, you know, we've we've seen that. Yeah. Anyone with a Twitter account. I I saw that. I don't know what to think of it, but like the thing is that even before that video came out, I have in my notes, like needs to quicken the release needs to simplify the release, right? Uh, has a very high release point, but kind of really takes some time to get into it. And I think that's why you see him only take something like three, three pointers a game. He got a little bit better off the bounce this year, but like, I don't feel great with him off the bounce necessarily. Um, the thing with Vassell is, though, I think I'm higher on the defense even than a lot of people are. I think he's like a very real potential all defense team member in the NBA. His team defense is just insane. Like 
rotation, anticipation, preparation, like uh, understanding of angles, uh, just that uh, like he rotates early because it's very clear that he's just like so unbelievably prepared for anything that the defense is going to, or the offense is going to throw at him, but he rotates early into a position where he's going to be more advantageous to be able to go and get a seal or more advantageous to be able to try and dig down and bother the, uh, you know, potential tagger or the uh, driving point guard or something like that while also staying in position to be able to recover out. He has great closeout technique. Like he's going to be an absolute monster defensively. I'm just like a little bit, hesitant on the offense overall Patrick Williams I think there's a real chance Patrick Williams is off the board by the time that the Wizards pick as well um teams are really really excited he's a little bit raw but another guy who has great defensive reactivity great versatility uh great feel on that end um you know, the ability to play and guard four positions pretty easily. Uh, I think that it wouldn't stun me at some point if teams used him as a small ball five by the time he's 25 years old, because he's going to be absolutely enormous. He's six foot eight, 230 pounds already, and looks like he's going to be able to put on another like 15 pounds like it's nothing. Um, also makes some really high level passing reads that you see sometimes comfortable off the bounce like his his potential is really, really, really high. Uh, if the wizards wanted to take a shot on, you know, a very high upside player, I would get it with Williams, but you know, they, they took Rui Achimura last year and there is some really significant overlap between those two because neither of them are the fleetest of foot guys necessarily. Do you think there's overlap between Toppin? If if you if you uh, resign Bertans and you have Bertans and Rui already, where there there is already some redundancy there, even though they're very different offensive players, there's still redundancy in terms of playing them together and not necessarily having a being able to have a big wing if they're your three and your four and such. And if you bring Toppin in, let's say if he's available at number nine, and you just think we think he's the best player on the board, we have him high on our draft board. He's the highest one there. Let's get him, which is. Perfectly normal logic. Would would any redundancies there worry you at all? Uh, all of the above would worry me <laughs> quite a bit. That's kind of why I mentioned that. Like, I don't love the idea of taking him. Uh, yeah, everything about every single sentence that you just said significantly concerns me about putting Obi Toppin on that team. But you know what? You put him on that team. John Wall's been asking for a point, a pick and roll big to play with for a long time. There would not be a better pick and roll big to play with in this class than Obi Toppin. Does that uh, include Wiseman? Yes, because Toppin is a shooter and can really pass it as well. Uh, you can make a case that if you're purely looking for a lob threat, that Wiseman is better. But there's just way more that Obi Toppin can do he's way more versatile as a role threat than Wiseman is right that makes sense I mean look I love I love Toppin's offensive game I I love watching him on an offense but this this does feel like a weird fit but the reason I ask is because it does it would feel like a weird fit with the Wizards but at the same time Tommy Shepard has said on multiple occasions that they're going to draft the best player available now, now I think best player available, I think that concept is a little bit more complicated than people make it out to be because so much 
yeah. of um, so much of drafting. People think of it as as talent identification, but it's it's also talent development. And and yep. guys will develop differently in one place than they will in another. And if you have a place that that's with a bunch of players who, like I said, might be redundant to them, maybe he develops differently in that place than he does in a place that's more conducive to that particular player's skill sets development. Uh, and 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 I think that naturally comes into the conversation when you're making your board and and fit even if you if, if best player available is just who's the highest guy on the draft board but like fit is going to come into the conversation on a draft board if you have three great point guards then what are you doing drafting a fourth even if he's the highest on your board you know uh so there are, there are certain all oh, there's a lot of overlap in, in a lot of these concepts, and, and I'm kind of fascinated with him, I'm kind of with with Toppin specifically and how he works into those concepts. I'm fascinated with Killian Hayes, who who I don't think they're necessarily going to take, and how he works into those concepts. A little bit less so with Halliburton, who, who I don't think is a point guard point guard. I think he might be a guy who you can play at point guard, but but... I think he has off-ball skills and can be a nice ball mover, and I think he can really play as more of a kind of secondary facilitating sort of type. Uh, but but I think he's interesting too. I'm intrigued by what you're saying about Vassell defensively. What, who do you think – if if you really want that level of defense, who were you higher on, Vassell or Okoro? I, I like Okoro better. Vassell is a better – defender in a team construct like I think Vassell is like Danny Green level defender like I I think he's unbelievable on that end uh I just think Vassell has way more offensive upside he's way more comfortable handling the ball uh way more physical stronger better finisher around the basket I totally get the shot with the Coro yeah 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 with the Coro I totally understand the shot concern with a Coro I also share the shot concern about Isaac Okoro, but he's a super professional kid. Uh, the kind of guy that you like want to buy into improving his jumper over time, because realistically all he's going to have to do is get to the level that like, you know, better than Jimmy Butler is now, like not like crazy better. Like if he can knock down shots off the catch at like a 35% clip, like there's a lot of like Iguodala e stuff to his game because he can really drive. He's powerful. He's physical. Uh, has a lot of like really interesting footwork around the basket. Has uh, really impressive passing ability that I think has gone underrated through the draft process. Like he can whip one-handed passes across the court. He really reads the second and third level of defenses really well. And he's frankly like Isaac Okoro is just one everywhere that he's been. Every single place that he's been, his team has won an exceptional number of games. And throughout high school, the question was, you know, is it him or is it five-star point guard prospect that's going to Auburn next year, Sharif Cooper? Like, is it who, who's driving the ship here? For me, it's always been a Coro. Uh, it's not that I dislike Cooper. I think he's a really good player. But like, you look back at every single thing that that dude does, it's with purpose. It is... Uh, with the express ideal of how does this help my team win, not how does this help me look good? I know you got to run shortly. So I, I have one 
question for you before we go. Um, you are the general manager of the Wizards in two different universes. In sure. one universe, your game plan or your draft plan is to draft the player who will make you the best possible team in 2020-21, in the upcoming season. Uh, in the other universe, your your plan is to draft the player who is going to have the best career. Of the reasonable players at number nine, so don't say like Anthony Edwards, of the reasonable players at number nine, who are you drafting in each of those scenarios? Yeah, I'll give like a mini draft board. That feels like the easiest way to do this. Um, out of Akongwu 1, Isaac Okoro 2, uh, this is for helping me win now. I would have Akongwu 1, Okoro 2, probably Halliburton 3, Vassell 4, maybe Vassell 3, Halliburton 4. And then hmm, probably Toppin five, because I think Toppin will help you next year quite a bit. Um, I think that would be where I'm at. I think that's it. And then if we're going best career long term, I would have a Kongwu one, a Koro two, probably Pat Williams three. The cell for Halliburton five. I would move Williams up the board pretty substantially for them. Otherwise, an incredibly similar list. An incredibly similar list. A lot of the guys that I like in this class are the guys that I think can help sooner rather than later because, in part, I want guys that I think will maintain trade value going forward. Uh, I, I want guys that are valuable positionally guys that have very clear fits guys that I think have a chance to close games and guys that I think are ready to play in the NBA because th this draft, like, look, I, I've written probably more words about this draft than any human being on the internet. And <laughs> I feel a real degree of uncertainty regarding who is going like who is going to be the best players from this draft. Like I am, if you told me Patrick Williams is the best player that comes out of this class, I would not be like wildly shocked. If you told me Alexei Pokyshevsky is the best player that comes out of this draft, I don't think I would be crazy shocked. Uh, if you told me that it's just LaMelo Ball who I have at number one and is, for me, the highest upside player, like, yeah, I would believe that too. Uh, LaMelo Ball is incredible. But there's a real degree of uncertainty regarding who the best players are in this class, and that has made it very, 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 very difficult to evaluate uh, across the board. Uh, this season, like the, the, I have, I have more guys with a draftable grade. It's actually a relatively deep class this year than what I typically do, but I don't have anyone as a tier, like one player. I don't have, uh, I only have like 10 guys as even like tier three guys, which is pretty low in normal cases. So I, I'm not wildly high on where the wizards are in this class. Uh, I think that they could potentially try and make some moves to 
maybe move up the board or try to move out of this draft if they were interested in that as well. Uh, if some of their guys are off the board, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, this is not a draft that I have had the most comfort projecting because, uh, it is a very, 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 uh, flat draft in terms of talent across the board right now. And and a lot of guys have entered this class probably a year before they're ready to actually play in the NBA, which makes it a little bit tricky too. What do you got to plug before we, before we go? Honestly, nothing yet. Just go listen to the game theory podcast. I'll have like a very big project coming out on uh, next Monday by the time that this comes out. Great. So that's going to be what? November 16th, two days before the draft. So go check out that very big project. Go listen to Sam's podcast. Um, Go check out all of Sam's stuff. Like if you can't tell a half an hour into this podcast that Sam is like as good as there is. Um, as well connected and as good of an analyst as there is on this stuff, um, then go find me another one because I I, I don't know of one. Um, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Uh, you can listen to Wizards After Dark wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're just listening to this episode out of nowhere and you want to listen to more, you can subscribe anywhere. Uh, head on to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a nice written review. That always helps more than you might think. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic and get a full subscription, you can get a discounted rate at theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. Again, that's theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. You can sign up there. I'll be back with a new episode next week. Again, talking more draft. And I'm probably going to have multiple episodes next week because I'm sure I'll do an episode before the draft. And I'll probably do an episode, uh, you know, right after the draft as well. And we're going to have free agency too. So I I might even have a third episode episode next week as well, just because I'm going to have to do a free agency preview at some point. And we still don't technically know when free agency is starting, even though it sounds like the season is almost certainly going to start with training camp on December 1st. And uh, we still don't know free agency. But like I said, my my guess is going to be very shortly after the draft. So I'll I'll have some sort of free agency podcast. I'll have a post-draft podcast. I'll, I'll have probably another one early next week as well. Either way, I'll be back next week. I'll talk to you guys then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.